Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon. You know, I wasn't sure whether I'd be here at all today, but I tell you why. I was convinced yesterday that I was going to win that big lottery jackpot. 8.5 million last night. I just had something in me. I did a ticket last weekend and I won a little prize on it. And yesterday evening I said, God, I must go and get my lotto done uh, quickly. Because you see, yesterday morning I woke and guess what? I put my jumper on inside out. And they say that's for good luck, don't they? Put your jumper on inside out. It's good luck. I wouldn't change it all day. I left it inside out. Went and did me ticket yesterday evening. And then I heard some blackguard or blackguards in Limerick scoop the 8.5 million. I'm only joking. I'm absolutely thrilled for them, delighted for them. 8.5 million. An online player, the biggest online ticket, biggest win for an online ticket in the history of the lottery since it went online, as well as you going into the shop to buy in person. But there you are. I had it in my head. Do you ever have that feeling that, that it might be you? It could be you. You know the advert. It could be you. Anyway, I changed the jumper back the right way round today, sure. That's gone. Might try it again in the future. Are you superstitious like that? Anybody superstitious like that? Little things like that that you think could be an, an omen or something like that. Anyway, there you go. Good luck to the Limerick people. Health to wear, enjoy and have a great time with your 8.5 million euros. Welcome again to the show this afternoon. I'll tell you one thing. Brace yourselves, two o'clock. We're certainly going to have some straight talking. John Kearns and Kira Burke are with us, and we're going to talk about some of the hot topics of the day. We'll also be joined by Dolores Whelan to look ahead to Imbolog. Yes, the 1st of February, St. Bridget's Day as well. And Dolores, of course, synonymous with the Celtic year and all that goes with it. Looking ahead, and we'll give you a few pointers of things we can do ourselves to mark St. Bridget's Day this year. And we have big news. Yes, big news in the Northeast on the wildlife front. Heidi Bedell is going to tell us all about that on the show after three. If you want to get in touch with us this afternoon, do take note of the numbers. You should have them handy anyway, because you can always join in the conversation on the show. 086-1800-658 is the WhatsApp or text number, or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Now, my first guest on the show today is a fantastic man. I really mean that. He's originally from Dundalk and he's renowned as a sailor. He sailed the seven seas. And we first met him on late lunch many moons ago with his late wife, Olivia. Olivia. And then he was back with us several times in in the interim. And he introduced us to his new partner, Geraldine. I think it was the year before last. He's now locked up in the centre of Ireland in Boyle. County Ross Common, and it's from sea to land he moves today to have a chat with us. Pat Murphy, welcome back. Hello, Jerry. It's great to be talking with all with you and all your listeners again. Um, I must say, I really look forward to it, and uh, thank you very much for inviting me along. 
Not at all, because you see, we spotted you um, go, as I said, moving from the sea to the land because you put up a little um, post on Facebook to talk about your memories of the border and living along the border. And Pat, I, I don't want to say this word to you, smuggling. You were a smuggler, Pat. Well, I hope there's not many people listening this time. But yes, I my first ventures, I... I really smuggled at a very early age, I remember. I was probably about 12, 13, 14, 12, 13, 11, 12, 13 area. We lived uh, north of Dundalk, near the New Inn. And uh, we were very close to the border. And we used to make regular trips across the border. And we had a couple of different routes because we got to know them all, all the different routes. In fact, I'm thinking of producing a guide for people crossing the border if they ever go to close it down because I know all the roads and the back roads <laughs> and everything else on it. So uh, I'll produce a guide on it. But yes, there were great days. One place that was very popular with us was Breeders' Shop up at the back near Ford above uh, O'Hagan's Pub in Kilcurry. Mm. And there was two ways to get to Breeders' Shop. We could go up by O'Hagan's Pub. And by the way, uh, O'Hagan's uh, Pub was a very famous pub in that Kilcurry area. And on many of the nights where people had uh, enjoyable times there on it. The other way was by St. Bridget's Stream. And not too far from Breeders' Shop, Breeder Boyle was the lady's name. A lovely, lovely red-haired lady. I remember her very well. But the two shops were reasonably close together and you could take either road going up. Mm. Now, going up to Breeders, you, you were going uphill and even to John Morgan's uphill, which was great because when you were coming back, you were fully loaded with butter and spangles and omo and everything else. So you were going downhill, which was grand. I mean, you can imagine the other way, trying to cycle uphill with all that stuff on your bike, wouldn't be? yes. And Breeder Boyle's shop was in the north of Ireland. She had the spangles and the opal fruits and everything, I take it. And the omo and everything else. And when you stood outside her gate, you were in the south of Ireland. And you just (laughs) went through the gate and you were into northern Ireland. (laughs) And and listen, Morgan's was even more divided, wasn't it? Yeah, well, they they had the shop. And part of the shop was in the south and the other part of the city was in the north. (laughs) <laughs> you could walk across from one to the other. And I mean, it's not often you can get cat cows. They could stand with their tails in the north and their heads in the south. <laughs> Talk about the common oh. travel area. Jesus, you've had it years before that we were ever negotiating it uh, with the EU in recent times. But listen, tell me this, Pat. What did you smuggle? We smuggled, the big smuggle was, was butter and uh, white bread. And then mm. the other was all the luxuries, spangles, uh, all the little Mars bars, all yes. things like that were the, the main ones we smuggled on it. And what I, I put this up on Facebook about a week ago, or, and the response, I put it up on the Dark North End and Friends Facebook, and I put it up on my own Facebook. The response was huge. I got hundreds yeah. of people replying on it. And yeah. the comments, uh, which I'll, I'll read a couple of them, were... Very, very interesting. The whole area, the whole time, is, is justifies a book with stories on it, Jerry. 
Ah, it certainly does. And there's an idea for you going forward. But you say that smuggling in the area was big business. Now, now I know I'd be taking the task for this. You know, there's, there's elements of smuggling that are just wholly wrong. But yours was on a small, simple scale. And the locals, it wasn't considered smuggling. A way of life, would, it, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I'll just read. Smuggling in the area was big business and was never considered a crime by the locals. Rather a way of life. Right. The unfortunate, and there were many who were caught, were never considered criminals by us, but rather the unlucky ones. So that's the way uh-huh. we used to look at it. Yes. We ever caught? Uh, I had I lost butter at one stage on it, but that was all on it. And mm, I, I remember you... one little case, case here. Um, I remember an, an uncle of mine, he smuggled a, a lorry load of eggs across the border and he parked them in the garage on the Newry Road in the dog for distribution the following night. And when he returned, the lorry with all the listed eggs were gone. There was no point point in him contacting the guards about it. No, the law wasn't on his side with that one. Oh, my word. Look, at he was being watched and he was he his eye was wiped by another crowd that were a little sharper than himself. Exactly. Tell me, yeah, the, yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned butter and I'm sure many people listening today will remember the butter buses. You know, remember that yourself going up from the south to buy the butter and bring it back in and the guards mm. boarding the buses to search people. There's an interesting yes. story that one of your com- one of the comments that came back to you from a guy, he told the story of his mother who was stopped and they were going to search her. Tell that story. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll just get, get that one here. Um, I'll tell you, it was Brian Kyo who told the story. Yeah, oh, I have it here. And, yeah. and I'm not giving store names for fear of uh, belated... Oh, God. I've just given just giving I'll, go ahead. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of the things they were taking was wagon wheel, sookie, sun cap, orange and penny shoes were probably the most popular buys. As regards smuggling, my mother, Irish, invented the butter bag that was tied around the waist and covered by a skirt. I must tell you about the time the customs stopped my mother, and when she denied she had butter, they said, oh, we're going to have to search it. She said, go ahead and take, take me to Dublin Airport, because she knew that that was the nearest place where they had lady searchers. Now, how about that for a lovely story? <laughs> Brilliant. I'm not going to give any surnames. Before. No, what a, what a clever woman she was because she yeah. knew and it, it just would have been totally off the wall to take her to the airport and they let her go and off she went on her way. Did people ever, you know, you mentioned there were two ways from breeders there and if word got out there was a, a customs check or, or, or whatever on one of the roads, you naturally took the other road. But I know they got clever then, Pat, and they'd have them on both roads. Did people ever... Or chuck stuff in the ditch and come back and pick it up later. Yeah, yours truly did. Did you? We would, we would, we would hear that there was customs on both roads, so we would have to discard the products in a, the first field we saw behind the, the gate and things like that on it, and wait for the road to clear before we go back and pick it up. Well, I, we knew every blinking field in the area. We knew every gate and everything else, which was great, great, great stories and great times on it. So, Pat, did you make a fortune at this? You know, you obviously took the stuff back with you and you, you obviously sold it yourself as a young lad to friends and that as well. Did you make much money? No, it didn't. Just maybe maybe for sweets. The, the person <laughs> that gained most was there was a little shop just up the road from us in, in the where we lived and uh, she gained from it because she all the money was spent with her on it. So she, she, 
Yeah, I would never have become. I, would, I wrote here. I would never have become a millionaire with either venture, but at least it kept me in pocket money. While the main beneficiary of the two ventures, my second venture, was Mrs. Moore's local sweet shop. There you go. The you invested in sweets, and of course, uh, you know the the other one you mentioned there. You better uh, tell us about that one because it it will be St Bridget's Day, and we're talking about it later on the right. show today with Dolores Whelan actually uh, on the first of February. St Bridget uh, prominent in the area, and you made money on the back of the saint. We did indeed. Yes, um, we uh, we lived on the road, the new inn, as I say, at the pilgrimage route from Dundalk up to St Bridget's Shrine. And people were walking and cycling because there was no, not many cars in those days on it. And I was very, very good at making St. Bridges crosses on it. So mm. we used to set up a little production line. One of the lads, some of the lads would cut the rushes. I would make up the cross. Somebody else would tie the, the four corners and trim them. And then we had a team outside on the road uh, sell, uh, selling them to the pilgrims going up and down on it. And I remember the families that were involved were the Tafts, the Connellys, the, and the Keelans. And uh, they, they, were, they, were, they were good times. But there again, the big beneficiary of all that was Mrs. Moore's shop again with the suite. <laughs> you see, she gained from the other jurisdiction and the illicit activities uh, that were going on. There's a fellow called James sent you a comment, and it's interesting. It's about his mother, and she was caught with half pound of butter, but by God, she paid for it, didn't she, Pat? Yeah. I'm just trying to find that, that one on the, uh, what was his name again? James. James was his name. Uh, well, look, at I, I know of it and I can recount it to listeners. The mother had a half pound of butter and she was on the bicycle and she was caught by the authorities and they took the blinking half pound of butter off the woman. She had no husband. She was a widow. She had three small children and she was fined, Pat, five pounds, which was a lot of money. Yes, indeed, I have that one now. I ha- have that. Yeah, story. five pounds, Pat. Five pounds at that time for a half pound of butter. Oh, the poor woman. Uh, I- I'd say that wouldn't be looked unfavourably. Tell me this, no. because it's, I'm all, I, it's a question I must uh, find out more about. You know when stuff was actually confiscated, what happened to it? Well, this is the big thing. We never knew what happened. Now, if another friend, I'll just refer to him as Peter. Now, all this butter was taken and everything else. And Peter says, we should spare a thought for the poor old customs officers' families now suffering from colostral and coronary problems. <laughs> but all that confiscated butter. So, you know... <laughs> There was a downside. There was a downside. Look, the, the, the messages are coming into us. Keep them coming. Have you memories of the border, living along the border in Louth here, the Louth Armagh border or whatever? Have you memories of what we're talking to Pat about today or anybody for that matter who travelled north of the border and was involved in something? You know, not, not to, we're not talking about the real serious stuff, which is totally wrong. But, you know, this is, you know, pounds of butter and sweets and things like that. Get in touch with us. Oh, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me if you have uh, memories. Pat, um, they were innocent times in a way as well, weren't they, when you're talking about sweets and butter, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at, you're talking about sweets and everything else. Here's a different one. A a chap called Brian says, my mother and Josie, no surnames mentioned, rode to Boyle's and bought two pairs of jeans for myself and Paddy. 
going to the CBS secondary school. They were the first pair of long trousers I ever had. Here's a lovely message. Listen to this, Pat, coming in. Some years ago, there was a report in either the Drogheda or Dundalk newspapers about the tide coming in at Castle Bellingham. It was actually a load of tide washing powder being smuggled from the north. (laughs) 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 You see, there's lots of memories of the border and living along the border as well. Hey, Pat, you're far from the border at the moment. You're in Boil in beautiful boil. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I was good life, lucky life, but unfortunately lost Olivia five and a half, five years ago, or five and a half years yes. ago. But lucky again, I, I met uh, Geraldine three and a half years ago, and uh, both families are happy. And, and you met Geraldine on the radio, you did. Yes. With her. Yes. Right. I must tell you another little thing that was taken. Uh, a guy called Sean says, uh, "I never had any luck." With, with condoms. They were bringing back condoms, you see. Yeah. They would reach their best before date, before we got to use them. <laughs> but we did sell some to the Boyle O'Reilly's for profit. So not all bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there was, like at that time, you couldn't get anything like that, you know, <laughs> a family planning-wise. And I'm sure the, the, those funny magazines came across the board. I think that's mentioned in one of the comments that you got as it well, is, wasn't yeah, it? Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, Playboy, of course, was banned Playboy. in Ireland. And sure, it was yeah. it, it, it was available only a few miles up the road and people were dying to get it on Oogle. And my God, when you think of what could be Oogle today and you don't even need to go into a shop to buy it or anything. Listen to this, Pat. Jerry, my dad drove his mother and my mother to Jonesborough to get butter and other things. And it wasn't until they were coming home that his mother said to him that she had the butter. He lost the head with her. So what did he do? He took the panel off the door of the car and put all the butter in behind the panel. <laughs> and the journey home was a quite silent one, Jerry, let me say. There you are. Look at the lengths that people went. It went wasn't it Here's simple times? one here from, from an emer. No, no surnames. That was a great read, Pat. I can relate to everything you said and done. The ladies from Fatima would head off on their bikes and their flowing skirts had secret pockets for all the butter, etc. And we were all <laughs> well hidden. <laughs> Jerry, it was a great time. You know, when you yeah. back on those stories on it. Mm. I, I think they're marvellous. And, and I just put it all down in writing and, and it's a yes. huge response. All right. Huge, it. Pat. Huge. Look at it. You really have. You're onto something here, Pat Murphy. Now, look, Annie, you have a bit of time in your hands now. You'll not be sailing the seven seas for a little while yet. But look, while I have you on, uh, you're of an age, as we know, and you're with Geraldine there in Boyle and Roscommon. Uh, very restricted life this almost last 12 months now. How have you found it, Pat? How has it been for you? Being a man of freedom who sailed the seven seas of the world. I miss I miss meeting people. I miss the simple thing of going for a walk and having a cup of coffee after that. But the main, I mean, I, I give talks all around the country on different subjects. I don't know why people like listening to me, but they do anyway. And <laughs> all around the country. And I really miss that very much. But I'm very involved with Zoom. I've already given a couple of talks on Zoom. I'm giving a talk next Tuesday night. I'm giving a talk next Wednesday night. So at least that's keeping me me going a little bit on it. But I yes. really am, excuse the expression, P-I-S-S-E-D off yeah. with the lockdown and everything else. But look, 
we're alive. We're, we're quite healthy on it. We're very, very careful of what we do. And we have to feel sorry for those people that have gone through bereavements and everything else on it. It's a terrible, terrible time. And yeah. the sooner we get through it, I have no idea when we're going to get through it. But uh, it's a terrible time. And if I can do anything just to help and lighten things up a little bit, uh, uh, some people, you know, I'm prepared to do that with my talks and everything else on it. You know, and even this little discussion here. Yes. It's going to bring back memories for a lot of it people. Will. Lot of, uh, just one more uh, little one. When we were sailing down on our way down to the Canaries to, to set off around the world on it, we met... Uh, a couple who just crossed from America. We met them down in Spain, Billy mm. Bailey and her husband, Bob. I mentioned their surname because they're not going to get prosecuted. <laughs> anyway, Judy, Judy says, when she saw it on Facebook, she says, we had no idea of your potential criminal past, Pat. So glad we met you when you were a mature and responsible adult. So <laughs> you know, that's from America. And then I've got ah, yeah. Australia and everything else. I mean, the communication we have nowadays, Jerry, is really great. And I've it is wonderful. Able to use it. And I must yeah. say, when Olivia passed away, Facebook to me was a big help because I help people help me from all over the world and everything else on it. Yeah. And uh, you're good yourself talking to yourself and your listeners and everything else on it. I love that. And I just yeah. hope your listeners enjoy your little conversation today. It's a bit of they a- have. They have. And I see it by the response we're getting. Pat, <laughs> give her regards to Geraldine. Talk to you again soon. And I want to dedicate this song to you. It's Flash the Light. See you, Pat. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Yes, Dermot Kennedy there on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Hello, Breda. I want to say hello to Breda Boyle. Yes, the daughter of Breda Boyle. Pat was talking about Boyle's shop and Breda's daughter, who's also called Breda, has just been on to us and saying, oh, my God, Jerry, such wonderful memories and stories. There are loads of them. Breda, we'll give you a shout. I'll be in touch with you. I promise you. Another one has come in here from uh, Lily to say, Jerry, I remember being on those buses you mentioned uh, with my mum going north to do the shopping, especially the butter. And I can still remember the anxiety when the Gardaí boarded a bus when we were on our way home one afternoon and there was pandemonium that all the goodies would be gone. Thanks indeed for getting in touch with us and bringing that memory back to us as well. The border, going north of the border, shopping, boils, what Pat was talking to us there. If you have any memories, talk to me. Let us know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me uh, with the, your comment or whatever. Or if you'd like to tell us more about it, get in touch with us. 1857 is the phone in number. Good news. And we will be talking a lot about the current situation after two with John Kearns and Kira Burke. Uh, Pfizer-BioNTech just announcing that their vaccine is fully effective against the new variants. Now, that's a big new story, so it is. And they are one of the first into the field with their vaccines as well. And I just see also that it's planned in Ireland. We mentioned pharmacies, GPs. Now, dentists are going to be involved in the rollout of the vaccine. And that's positive as well, because that expands the network of where we can get the the jab when it is available. The other little thing I just noticed there a few moments ago, And it's to do with Brexit, since we're talking about the border. It's expected that the price of bread is going to increase 
quite a bit here in the Republic of Ireland. Because, do you know why? We get a lot of the ingredients for bread. Believe it or not, we import it. We import it from the UK. So it looks like there's going to be a price rise on the bread front uh, quite soon. Why aren't we producing more? We talked to Darren McCullough last week about this, the opportunity for Ireland. We should be producing. We can produce all the ingredients to make our own bread here in this country. Surely that's something we should be looking at sooner rather than later. So there you are, bread prices on the way up. Well, on the way on late lunch this afternoon is news and weather and afterwards, it's certainly straight talking with John and Kira. When I was young, Jerry, my paternal grandmother bought butter from Peter the Butterman, who smuggled it in the hem of his coat. My mum, who's still going strong at 92, was a little bit dubious. We had great excursions on our bikes to Fohart, Gap of the North, for contraband Caramac fireworks and more besides. They were really exciting times, Jerry. Thank you so much for that message. Uh, another one from John. My mother and father brought me to Donegal. I bought an Irish flag in Malin, but dad had to put it into the inside pocket of his coat. Would you believe it? He was searched and brought into the office and frisked again on the other side of the border. I would indeed uh, believe it, John. Thank you indeed for all your memories of the border and what went on there uh, many moons ago. Now, we are going to have some straight talking for the next while about topical current issues. I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch two regular guests of ours, John Cairns, former editor-in-chief of the Irish Mirror, and Kira Burke, of course, one of our women with opinions. John and Kira, welcome to the show. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having us. Not Hi, at all. John, good to have you with us as well. John, just quickly to yourself, uh, just listening to the news there and the uh, the um, the sabers being rattled. Um, there's talk of us going back to level four after the fifth of March. There's talk of zero uh, zero COVID to get it down to absolutely nothing to suppress it completely. Yet there's no roadmap, John. Maybe they're just not able to produce one at the moment. What's your take on where we are at the minute? Well, where we are at the minute is very simple. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. You know, um, I was listening to Helen McEntee this morning, and she was very good, and she's very impressive. Um, but, you know, we're doing now what we should have done about uh, 10 months ago, you know. And it's a bit like, you know, the stable door is open and the horse is bolted. The whole crackdown on travel. That's, that's number one. The government, as I see it at the moment, doesn't have a plan. It's, I think it's making it up as it goes along. It's, let's get the fires as low as we can. Uh, let's see what we can open up as much as we can, and let's see, uh, can we get this vaccine in from Pfizer or from AstraZeneca or wherever the pla- whatever place we can get it from as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, the health minister at the moment hasn't even a clue today uh, how much vaccine we got this week. Uh, he told us all, I think it was uh, 48,000 vaccines came in, when in actual fact it was only 25,000, you know. So you'd start to worry. Um, mm. The game now, look, where we're at is very simple. It's like the last day of the war, and you don't want to be shot in the back in the sni- by a sniper and pick up COVID. Trust me, you do not want to get this disease. And, you know, we're all trying to lie low, do what we're told, keep the head down, and that's where we're at. And even if they do open up, and I'm in favour of open up, but it's up to us as individuals to decide what we want to do. My own view is everything will be, they'll open up the shops, maybe... I don't know about the nutritionists and hairdressers for a while, but I think everything is going to be outdoors. You know, I think the pubs, mm. restaurants, when they do open up, whether it's at the end of March, will be all outdoors. Everything will, I think, just take it from me that everything will be outdoors going forward. 
between here and this whole country is vaccinated. Well, let's let's bring Kieran there because she is someone who owns a, a restaurant and uh, she's had to come through so many difficulties in the last 12 months. Two things. What, what, what do you say to John? He feels they're making it up as they go along. And secondly, about reopening your particular sector. Well, firstly, um, I think COVID is making it up as it goes along as well. I think there's new strains and new uh, variations left, right and centre that uh, we don't even know what's coming ahead to us. So to say that the government have, um, have, are making the aims of it or they don't know what, sure, nobody knows. Nobody knows. If the best brains in the world don't know what's going on here. Now, the vaccines, uh, as you can see, the, the Europe has been shafted, as far as I can see, by AstraZeneca, AstraZeneca because uh, they were due to get them in and have prepaid them and have paid for a lot of the, um, the research and development on AstraZeneca um, vaccine over from Europe and it's a it's a British um it's a British owned company as far as I know. Um but they're backed by Europe and they're they're already paid for uh, a lot of vaccines that we're meant to be getting and they have reneged on the deal. So that's what Europe are trying to um to negotiate at the minute. As far as our government are concerned concerned, look, yes, they could have done a lot of things, you know, better and then if they had done that then people who are trying to do business abroad or whatever, they'd be given out that they can't get out of the country. People who want to come home can't get back into the country. Like, I have uh, relatives who are in New Zealand. And, like, my ex-husband is in New Zealand, hasn't seen his kids for a year and a half now. And uh, he can't get home because so, they're mm. locked in. And if he does come home, he has to pay three and a half grand to to quarantine in his own, back in, in New Zealand um, so that he can go back to work. So not only has he to pay the flight and the whole lot, and then, but he he just can't get out. They can cannot get out. It's not an option for them. So yeah, but the I point the think... point the point you're making is you you you're saying that it, it's hard for anybody to have a strategy or a policy on this. Is that what you're saying? I absolutely don't think. I mean, you can hear hear all Sinn Fein and the, and, and the and the people giving out. Everyone you know against the government giving out. But I would love to see anyone try and sort this out. There's absolutely John not John, a come back to you. What do you say to that? John. John. Well, I, mean, I think there needs to be a plan. You know, I mean, they're saying, like, well, I, I felt the other night, um, like, Nihon Martin, when he decided, and the government, the cabinet decided they were going to extend the lockdown until the 5th of March. They should have come out then and said what was going to happen after that. And, yeah, and but there is, there is, there is a, a roadmap. The roadmap was made. Yeah, and, and, and the roadmap was made last year based on, 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 on uh, the the levels of illness in hospitals and the levels of coronavirus. So they have to bring that back down so they can reopen it to level four again and level three and back to level two. No, no, no. no. The new strain of coronavirus has put a complete cat amongst the patients. Hold on, Kira, just let him in. Excuse me, I didn't interrupt you, Kira. so please do not interrupt me, okay? It's bad manners, first of all. Go on. Foremost, okay? Um, The government should have come out and said, right, when we reopen in March, we're going to look at X, Y, and Z. We're going to look at whether we're going to reopen up X, this sector, that sector, the other sector. He shouldn't went on the. He shouldn't have went on to the Brendan O'Connor show last Saturday and just dropped it as if, oh, by the way, we think most of the schools will be out until after St Patrick's Day. You know, he should have said that when uh, he addressed the whole nation because there's a million kids sitting at home, and and the children of our country is a massive, massive issue, and what is happening to them. Right, and to just let it come out, flip me. That's what I mean by bad leadership. That's what I mean by no plan. 
That's what I mean by the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So that's where I think our government has been very, very incompetent. Now, I don't go along with the Sinn Féin thing of promise and this, that and the other. I wouldn't agree with that at all. I, I think Labour's plan to suppress everything, to go to zero COVID. Yeah, well, they want to go about one point short of saying zero COVID is madness. to be locking us up for the next six months. And I don't agree with that at all. But, John, I think what Kira is saying is, you know, the levels one to five, we're at five yeah. at the minute that that that, uh, you know, is, is there that template is there. So obviously we're at five. We'll go back to four, three, two, one. Hopefully, you know, the point, that's got, the point. We never got to one, two. We started at three and we went to five, Jerry, and then we came back yeah. to three. Yeah, but the hope yeah. is to get down we, to one we, eventually. We never you know. got going. I mean, that whole plan is a shambles. Everyone mm. would agree with that. Now, this whole living with COVID strategy that they had and plan is absolute nonsense at this stage. I mean, this Let's, isn't even a COVID. We've been locked down for six months and open for five in the last 11 months. That's a fact of life. The longest in the whole world. And yet we've probably got one of the worst records in the whole world. But yet, what is the answer, John? And I'm going to come to Kieran in a minute. What is the answer? You know, if you don't uh, assist... Well, you, start, uh, the, you, start, well, you start... I accept Kira's got some valid points there in what she's saying, is that nobody knows with a pandemic. But a government can behave in a way where you communicate properly with the people. And you keep the people in the loop and you let them know what's going on and no surprises. You know, Kira, just on, can I bring Friday, you in? Every Friday, five o'clock, and you tell the people straight up what's happening and hmm. where we're going and what the plan is. OK, so a weekly briefing, and I agree with you, that would be very helpful and, and clear, concise briefing. Kira, I just want to come on to the schools that John raised there, uh, a million students at home, and you've uh, uh, young ladies yourself who are, are, are out of school at the moment. What's your take on the schools and where we are with it? Well, I think, I think the schools would have reopened had this new strain and very, um, very contagious strain not, have, not come in. I think they would have been reopened. Now, that strain came in mid-December and the kids were meant to be going back on the 4th and then that put a total cat, cat amongst the pigeons and changed the whole thing and it has changed everything um, for everybody. I was to go back on the 4th of, of January uh, to level 3, I think it was going to go back to. And now we're in complete lockdown as a result of that new strain. So, um, you know, when it comes to schools, I have three at home homeschooling and I have one who hasn't been back to college, uh, even back onto campus since uh, the start of September, since the start of the year. Now, luckily, she is not a first year. She's in her second year. She had half a first year that she could experience the college college scene. And But I feel for the college students, uh, like they're a complete... A uh, range of people who have been forgotten. It's all about primary school, secondary school. The college kids have been forgotten. And the first years that have gone into any college this year, they've already missed their leave and cert. I think they're the, the worst case scenario because they're sitting at home on their laptops and I'd say half of them have dropped out already because mm. of Again, the lack of interaction. With, with uh, right, so, so, so that's a, vulnerable, a more vulnerable category you're saying. But look, at, w- w- is it right that the schools are staying closed with the level of cases we have and how virulent this virus is, Kira, yes, in the community think, at the minute? I think, it is, I think it's important that they are closed at the minute because, look, it's, it's, I can't believe it in, in my own village in Duleek how, how it has spread so quickly. Um, over Christmas, it, was, it just went mad. 
now it is is starting to clear up now. But I mean, the amount of people in the hospital and everything, it's serious. You, you cannot trust the schools with that level of uh, contagion going on in the in the area. Now, the other thing is that the teachers are afraid to go in in case they get it. And then, you know, and then they have it. And, and I do feel for the um, special needs kids. I think it is so important for them to get back into a routine. But some of them who are going into um, into schools, like the teachers, I can I can see that they are um, definitely scared of the thing as well. So, I mean, I can see it from all angles. It's not an easy situation. And I, I, I mean, some of the parents I listen to with uh, special needs kids, I, I mean, my heart just went out to them. But, you know, what can you do? What, what can we do? Like, it's, it's a really difficult situation. And no mm. answer is the right one. Send them back to school, the teachers will be given out. Send the kids back to school, the parents will be happy, and then the teachers are, are scared. So, you know, who, is, who, is, who has the most rights? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Frank's been on to say, Jerry, we have to plan for the island as a whole. Uh, stop playing politics. Stop the travel from north to south, south to north as well. Uh, thanks indeed for that, Frank. And air travel is a massive issue, says another listener. We're making huge mistakes here. We've got to stop and we've got to stop people moving in and out of the country. John Kearns, just to come back to you on those points there, the island as a whole, you despair times when you hear the views north uh, as against the views south and the airports and ports, John. What about this whole issue? <laughs> we're starting, we're, we're, we're taking, we're talking about closing down the airports and the ports now. You know, you heard Alejandro McIntyre this morning saying they're looking at putting Gardaí uh, at the departure desk from Dublin Airport to stop people from leaving and checking, you know. And, and, and then they're looking at calling to people's houses to make sure that people are quarantining. Um, it's all a bit late. It should have been done, you know. This should have been done mm. uh, eight, nine months ago. As I said, we've, we've endured, this country has endured the longest lockdown in the whole of Europe. Now, people over 70 are quite happy with that because they want to feel safe because they're the most at risk. But people under 50, you know, they've got a completely different attitude, as I said in your show there a few weeks ago. And when the over yeah. 70s all get vaccinated, they want to open everything up. So we're trying to keep everybody happy in this country at the moment. And, but I think the government has made some, you know, some mistakes along the way. And, you know, we all wanted a meaningful Christmas. And, you know, I was with Michal Martin on that one, you know, and he got it wrong. And I certainly got it wrong by, you know, encouraging the government to open up for three or four weeks, wherever it was, three and a half weeks. And we all seen the damage that, that, that this virus did, you know. And, mm. and I have to say, I did very little socialising. I hardly see my own family. When I hear of everybody socialising, I'm kind of scratching my head because I didn't know of anyone who was really socialised. You know, once we locked down after Christmas Eve, that, that was it. But, you know, there has been mistakes sadly made and what can you do? Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime event and I do accept that everybody is doing their best, you know. But it's all about the fact here now, you know. We need some hope, Jerry. We need positivity. And that's why I felt in the government in the last week there was no positivity. There was no hope and I kind of felt a little bit in despair and then I get up every day and I say, thank God you know, I'm not on my back above in the Lord's Hospital. Thank God I'm not sick. Thank God, I, you know, I didn't have to go through what my own brother went through with this virus, you know. And thank yeah. God he came out the other side of it. But, I mean, that's how I feel. So I'm trying to be very positive. The nights are getting longer. This vaccine is the key to everything. There's no point in arguing going forward over the mistakes of the past. It's all about the vaccine now. It's all about getting it into the country, and it's all about rolling it out and getting it to all those vulnerable groups, to the people in their 80s, you know, the people of the 70s, all the vulnerable kids, you know, children with cystic fibrosis, kids who were on dialysis, kids with transplants, 
young children who are having cancer treatment. That's what it's all about, making sure all those vulnerable groups get vaccinated. The vaccination programme, Kira. I just uh, mentioned a little while ago on the show that dentists have been lined up now, which is good to hear, you know, as part of the rollout. And it will be the AstraZeneca uh, whenever that uh, row is sorted out with Europe. That's another problem. The supply is certainly a problem. But the vaccination um, policy and rollout, Kira, we can't be found wanting on this. When you think of the states, they're going to do a million and a half people a day. We have only five million, Kira, in this country. Yeah, well, I suppose it's all relative to your population or whatever, and then and the money that you can you can throw at it. Um, so, like, I think well, I think most most healthcare workers have been vaccinated at this stage. Uh, dentists, who, who I think should have been at the top of the of the bill because they're the ones that are you know dealing with people's mouths, and that's where the virus is coming from. They should have. Yeah, been but Kira, just to tell you, what's going to happen is dentists are going to be used to roll out the vaccine. They're going to administer the vaccine. Oh, very good. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. Like, then I heard that they were going to use uh, closed restaurants as places to go for the vaccine. But, like, like whoever can, like, dentists are as qualified to anyone, to, as anyone yeah. to roll out the vaccine. So I have no problem with that. I have no are you in agreement with, with John that this is what it comes down to now? The government Absolutely. ultimately are going to be judging this. Then there's all the anti-vaxxers. And, like, you know, you have an opposite uh, uh, argument every time. I mean, I've heard so many anti-vaxxers. I've had one so-called person who came into the restaurant and scared the living daylights out of one of my staff uh, and said, oh, you know that they're trying to, the, the vaccine is going to wipe out your, your generation and people that your your age. And like, she came up to me and she said, this woman is over after her. She's a nurse and she's after telling me. So there's a lot of scaremongering going out there on social media too about this. Mm. And like, so when it comes to the vaccine, yes, I'll be taking it. And I'm hoping that most people will, will be taking it. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, I don't know if I'm going to take it or not. So like, it has to be taken by, I mean, it's all well and good having the vaccine in the country, but are people going to take it, is the thing. Yeah. Well, you're looking at 70% is the figure they're looking at, 70% plus. I yeah. feel that that figure is attainable and most people will go along. And listen, talk about you, people approach you. I'm looking at my text messages here and there's a number of them on there. Uh, the, you know, the anti-vaxxers and people who doubt this as well. Look, at uh, people are entitled to their opinion. But I say again, vaccinations in humankind terms, look at what it has wiped out in the world and the millions of lives it will save. And I'll be taking it as well. I mean, I think I think that everyone should take it. It's it's there. It has been stu- it has been in the pipeline of um, study for years. Not, it's not just the last year that they've come up with this vaccine. This has been this yeah. is an add on to vaccines that have been developed and been developed over the last 50 years. So, like, these people, and they've, been got, they've got the most money ever to develop this vaccine to uh, the, the, the most perfect vaccine that you could get. So I, I would definitely take it. I think I can't wait to take it so I can get on a plane and, and go off on holidays and, 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 <laughs> and live. And I can tell you one thing, Jerry: We are going to have the best party going. We are when this is over and we will we get to the end of it and we will all be positive again like I am a very positive person I'm already now get, developing another little side business uh, to get my takeaway thing up, up and running and I'll be reopening that now in the next couple of weeks because will I'm you just be opening to... the wallet Jerry? will you Which, uh, sorry Will you be opening the wallet now to buy a drink down at Garvey's on a wedding? I, I, I can tell you so John that my yes I will 20 euros get out of your wallet I will, John, for sure. Just like yourself, you and me will host Anne Kira a, tri- a three-way, a triumvirate <laughs> joint party when this is yeah. all up. But, John, I was asking you there, will you take the jab? Absolutely, no problem. 
people people who don't want to take it, you know, that's their choice. But I don't think they should be yeah. allowed to fly, and uh, you know, I don't think they should be allowed to go into work. You know, I really yep. don't because if they're not going to take it, the risk is they're going to get it and spread it. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, and I think there should be people who who take it should get. You know, they should have uh, less. You know, they should have more protection on their medical and all of that kind of thing. Like people, if people who don't take it, I mean, they have to be. Um, like there has to be some sort of a you know comeback. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and people will say, "Well, look at you're impinging on people's freedoms now." In fairness, people will say to you, "Hold on a minute, it's my choice. I have freedom of choice, John." Yeah, well, yeah. You do, but you've also got a you've also got a responsibility for society and for the country and society that you live in. Mm. You know, I mean, and I think that has to, you know, after all we've been through, I think you, you've got to you've got to, you've got to recognise that and you've got to be aware of it. I think the opinion polls, the opinion polls at the moment are running at about eighty percent of people. I think in this country are, are, are willing to take it, which I was thought was surprisingly high. But I think people are just so fed up at this stage to take anything to get back to some sort of normality. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a fair point. Well, look, at, we're going to leave it on that... Vaccines, you know, and, and I respect our right to do that. But, you know, I think they're leaving, you know, I think a lot will just bite the bullet. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And I want to finish on that positive note today. All three of us will take the vaccine and we're going to have that party jointly hosted. Jerry, the and Kieran... I think we have to be positive. We have to be positive yes. going forward. Less of this moaning and groaning that everybody is at on the, on the media and on, on the news. We have to be positive about the end of the year. Like, we just, yes. it'll be a great, it'll be a great year. It'll be a big year. party. If this, will, this will pass, you know, yeah. and people just got to take it on one day at a time. Honestly, exactly. You know, yeah. that's it. And one day at a time, and it will all pass. Yeah. And everything it will. will walk out. You know, please go. Let's, you know. let's leave it at that. I thank you both for joining me on the show today. I'm getting lots of comment. I'll come back to it. I promise everybody who's been in touch with us. But for the moment, Kira Burke and John Kearns, thanks a million. They were my featured artists of the week on Late Lunch. Was it last week or the week before? God, the weeks are flying. We're nearly into February already. Thank you indeed for all of your comments coming to me on foot of uh, Kira and John joining us on the show. And vaccine is 95% effective and COVID-19, Jerry, is here to stay for years and years. The vaccine is our way out of this, says Don this afternoon. And... Re- regards the programme uh, at the moment and your conversation there, just to let you know that the vaccine has been administered at ASDA supermarkets in Britain. By God, that's certainly getting it, getting it out, isn't it? And they are well on with millions and millions vaccinated in the UK. <laughs> Jerry, no one knows the long-term effects of the vaccine. It's not been developed in years. I know it's been developed in breakneck time, but the money that's gone into the development of it and the testing of it has been so important and so extensive as well and it's not been given the go-ahead without certainty that it won't cause side effects. Now you can't say 100% people won't get some reaction to it, that's the same with all vaccines. When I get my flu vaccine every year I have to wait for 15-20 minutes to make sure I'm okay after getting it that's part and parcel of it but I'd I'd have confidence in the process with the money and the weight of governments uh, that was put behind it. Mary says get the numbers down to almost zero then track down every new case and their contacts just politely asking people not to go on holidays and isolate when they come back is living in cloud cuckoo land level 5 says another listener Jerry should mean level 5. Air travel is and was a massive mistake our government are making many mistakes as your contributor said there 
the stop start thing is just not working. Uh, and another one there, uh, James would be allowed to say, Jerry, anyone caught breaking lockdown laws uh, should not only be fined, but have a criminal record attached to their names. This might waken them up. And uh, when going back to work, they should be questioned about uh, the situation. Uh, we just can't trust people going on foreign holidays and then swanning back into the country. They should be heavily fine, Jerry, as well. They're letting our country down. We need everybody to pull on the rope and suppress this thing. Thanks indeed for all your comments. There's more there. I will get back to them. Late lunch, LMFM radio this Thursday afternoon at after the break. We're taking the temperature down a little because it is almost the 1st of February and there's big celebrations planned for St. Bridget. Dolores Whelan with us next. A Mead listener has been in touch with me to say, Jerry, I know a couple who flew out to Dubai today. This is simply ridiculous with the most of us trying to do our very best and adhere to the guidelines. Why are we not shutting down the borders? And I add to that, I, I honestly say, People shouldn't be going on holidays at the moment. They, you really should. I'd love to go away. Jeez, I love travel myself. But I won't. We should not be leaving the country. It's as simple as that. And if you do, there should be consequences. And when you come back, there should be consequences as well. That's my opinion, for what it's worth. Uh, a caller from Drahadon to say, uh, Jerry, do you know that a lot of healthcare workers still haven't received their vaccinations and don't know when they're getting them either? God, healthcare workers have to be a priority. We've got to get our, you know what, together on this, on this vaccination strategy. We really, really do. It's so important. Anyway, let's move along on late lunch this afternoon and let's lift your spirits because I want to remind you again that the Celtic tradition has so much wisdom for all aspects of our lives, no matter what comes or goes. And one of its greatest advocates and one of the loveliest people I've ever met in my time on Late Lunch is joining me now to give us hope. I know she will. She's the brilliant Dolores Whelan. Hello, Dolores. Good afternoon, Sherry. After that wonderful introduction, I better live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> you will. I know you will. Anyway, Dolores, Imbolog is 1st of February, uh, St. Bridget's Day as well. It's a really important uh, day in humankind's existence every year. Tell us about it. Explain. Well, Yes, of course, because Imbolc is the, the moment when we say goodbye to the ravages of winter and we begin the journey into springtime. And it is, it's Law Illabrida is the beginning of spring. Bridges of the, of the springtime, rising with the springtime, rising with the, uh, something healing all the land. And the, what happens at Bridges Day is that the land begins to warm up. And the evenings are getting longer. We can already see that. And the, there is a possibility now of growth and of new movement forward. And it's interesting that at the time of Imbolc, we have an awareness, even if unconsciously, that both the earth and ourselves are, fragi- are pregnant with a fragile new life, new possibilities. That's what we have to remember always. There is always the potential for transformation and for growth and for change. We have just, uh, on, in terms of the seasons, we are just emerging out of Samhain, which began on the 1st of November. But as we know, it actually began last March. And it is in a very, very difficult time for us. Everything that we see as normal has been put on hold. And there's no question that is affecting all of us. And, and yet, and yet, there is always hope. And, you know, at this time of Imbolc, of Bridget's Day, we look forward and we ask that she, this energy that blazes 
uh, a new springtime that breeds life into the mouth of dead winter will awaken in us all kinds of possibilities for newness, even if that's doing them in our own home or whatever it is. And I heard you talking about how hard it is to maintain these rules and regulations. They are hard. There's no question about that. They're not normal for us, but they are what we have to do right now. Mm. And in doing them, we, we will emerge, please God, into a, into a brighter day. But Bridget is, is the energy. She's, you know, she's, she's a saint, a Celtic Christian saint, but she, her energy, and what I often use the word the archetypal energy, which is the energy that she embodies, has been around. And she, as Bridget, pre-Christian, pre-Celtic, way back to the megalithic. She is associated with Brunavonia. I'm not going to go into that story, but all the way through. But what she holds is the energy of the feminine, the feminine face of God and of the divine and the, the nurturing energy of the mother. And, you know, at this time, we need that nurturing energy to wrap itself around us. And to we often say, you know, Bridget, wrap your mantle of protection and comfort around us and I, I think that's a really really important thing you know how yeah. can I can I wrap will you please wrap your mantle of protection around me and allow me to feel safe because one of the things that's hugely important about Bridget is that she lived in times of great turmoil as well in the fifth century but she always trusted the bigger plan she always trusted the divine energy and she in that trust she was able to let go of fear there's a second pandemic here, and that is the pandemic of fear and anxiety. And that is totally understandable, but it's not helpful because fear lowers our vibration and lowers our immunity. And we have to, as much as we can, just ask that Bridget would transform that fear into trust. And it's not a panacea that means, oh, everything is all right, but it's a place where we move into, into trust rather than don't know the next step but we do know that in this moment we are safe um you know something the uh, calmness you've just brought to the airwaves these last few minutes is so welcome and I knew you would. Now, in a practical sense for listeners yes. today, the yes. eve of Bridget, Brat Bridia, is yes. on Sunday and there's yes. something everybody can do. Tell them, Dolores. Yes, well, the, the tradition is that on the night before her feast day, that Bridget walks the land and that she walks the land blessing it and awakening the energy of the land for a new cycle of growth. And so the tradition is, and it's a beautiful tradition, you get a piece of cloth, white or red, and you lay it out on your, in your garden or on a bush or whatever. And the, the idea is that as Bridget travels the land that night, she will bless that. And then you take it in and you um, use it uh, for healing. Um, I, I cut it up into little pieces and I give, I give people, uh, you might put it in your shoe or you might put it in your pocket or your, you, know, you might put it somewhere and have it with you. And when I'm doing anything really important, I always have my breath bridge with me because it's like the, ma the mantle of Bridget. And there's a beautiful prayer which says, the mantle of Bridget encompasses us, lady of the lambs, protect us, keeper of the heart, kindle us, beneath your man mantle, gather us and restore us to memory. And, you know, we, you know, we say the mantle of Bridget about us, the memory of Bridget within us, the protection of Bridget, keeping us 
from harm, from ignorance, from heartlessness this day and this night from dawn till dark. And, you know, that prayer in itself, and I can send that prayer to your programme if you like, Jerry. Please. Uh, it's just so, it's, you know, you know, we are all needing so much help at the moment because we are in very challenging times. Yes, but put those little pieces of white or red cloth out on Sunday, leave yes. them overnight and do as Dolores says, that every little bit that can help us is so welcome. The other thing uh, to say is the pilgrimage is a big yes. part of this as well. And in previous years, of course, you were joined by so many people making yes. the pilgrimage to the well and there are wells around the country. But you say, Dolores, yes. that with the 5K restrictions, this is limiting again this year. Yes. We can all do this little pilgrimage or walk no matter where we are. Absolutely. And when we walk in pilgrimage, we're walking with a very clear awareness of ourselves walking on the living earth. And as we walk, we make our prayers and we pray to whatever deities or whatever energies we believe will support us. And as we walk, the first thing is give thanks. Gratitude opens the heart to receive. And so as we walk with gratitude for for the reality that we can actually walk, I slipped on the ice for a few weeks ago and I couldn't walk for two weeks. So I realized today I was out for a walk. What a gift, you know. So to walk with gratitude and to walk, as we say, just blessing the earth and receiving the blessings from the earth. It's better to do this walk on your own. And because you're not, it's, it's a walk that's different from chit-chat. Whatever, and there's nothing wrong with chit-chat, but there are walks that you do when you're actually in prayer mode. Prayer is uh, very misunderstood. But prayer is actually a raising of the heart and mind to the divine. And so when you're in that quiet place, raising your heart and your mind to the divine and asking, knowing that your prayer is always answered for the help that you need at this time. And asking Bridget as the divine mother, Mary Murnagale, Mary of the Irish. She is, and one of the things that I love as a colleague of mine once said, God is good and he has a great mother. And that great mother is Bridget. You know, I love to walk with my dog and that's what I do. I contemplate, I think, I connect when I walk on my own. And I love people love, you're right, they love to go and chat with a buddy or whatever. But there's something special. There's something special when you're with yourself and your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. 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 There really is. Now, yeah. before time beats us, mention yeah. uh, what's going on, because I know every again, coming back to the restrictions, you can't have what you normally have yeah. uh, with the festival. But there's something to be checked out on Thorne.ie. There's a lot yeah. going on, isn't there? Yes. And we have been so blessed that Antoine have, Antoine have come on board and uh, to support us and to do to co-associate this, or sorry, whatever, co-produce this. Um, event with us and basically we have gathered a group of musicians, of, of poets, of uh, people giving talks, myself and May Coyle of uh, a, a lady doing a beautiful meditation to meet Bridget, we have two young women Tara and Neve, who are both uh, doing residencies in Creative Spark and they're going to do um, some beautiful movement and, um, uh, and I, I'm not exactly sure but it'll be a beautiful piece and we have the music of Porigini Hulahan, and we have the poetry of Siobhan McMahon, and we have. Um, 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 I'm going to make sure I don't. Um, no, it's yeah. a hell of a lineup. You nearly covered and everything off clear. there. And uh, Evelyn Burton, the wonderful soprano singer, yes. she is singing. Uh, she's going to just do the Ave Maria because we often call Bridget Murna Nagel, Mary of the Irish. So she's doing that 
with a beautiful Chinese harpist. Uh, and so this is all, most, most of it has been pre-recorded and it's been put together at the moment. It's, a, it's on Anton, it's at Anton, uh, ie, and you can book your tickets uh, up till 7 o'clock on the 1st of February and the show is available for 48 hours. So if you can't watch it at 8, you have two full days to watch it. Lovely. And it costs 10 euros. Yeah. Ah, it's a snip and it's a great lineup on Thine.ie or you can call on Thine Art Centre on 042-933-2332. That's 042-933-2332. The brilliant uh, Thine in Dundalk there. Listen, you've uh, worked wonders for uh, me and I'm sure so many listening to you today. Your voice alone and the, the way you uh, look on life, uh, Dolores, and the seasons is simply uh, brilliant and thank you again and I wish you well and have a very happy St. Bridget's and Imbolog. Thank you for joining uh, thank me. Thank you so much Jerry. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. The wonderful Dolores Whelan there and the 1st of February is almost with us. Yes the light is coming. The days are getting longer. Growth is on the way. Let's be positive. Let's be positive. Sean Mendes and Camilla Cabello there and uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. Yes, yes, they are singing together on that lovely, lovely song there on late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Jerry, just a little uh, uh, ditty for you. I went uh, through McDonald's drive through in Blanchardstown earlier and I'm sure I saw people sitting inside eating. I thought it was supposed to be takeaway only. Um, it's no wonder we are where we are. Now I have to say in fairness to McDonald's and Blanchardstown that it could have been a couple of staff members that were in there to be honest with you. you know, did you ever think it might be that you know uh, that they might be on their break and just having a little bite to eat or a coffee or something there? Just suggesting it anyway rather than uh, just pointing the finger completely at them without knowing. But thank you indeed. I love uh, when you get in touch with us on the show. Uh, there's uh, another one there uh, coming into me. I'll get back to that one in a minute. Oh yeah. Uh, people who've been forgotten Jerry. Uh, Kira Burke mentioned the uh, students at third level. What about the preschool teachers you know uh, that are back from the 4th of January? They're not being mentioned at all and they seem to be far down the ladder for vaccinations. Jerry, my daughter is one of them and she has 22 children to look after at the minute. God, that's a big responsibility, isn't it? It really is. And I'm delighted to mention it today. The preschoolers, the preschool teachers, what about them? They're working away. There's a mum on concerned about our daughter. They surely have to get uh, a priority when the, the vaccine is available. And another one there coming in from, and lovely to hear from you, Anne. I wish the government could be straight with us, Jerry, because the 5th of March is a long way away. It's quite unrealistic uh, at that stage even to open up the country. It's just 12 days before St. Patrick's Day uh, with all of the crowds that can produce and the celebrations again like Christmas. What are we thinking of? That's Anne Burton on to me this afternoon. Good point, Anne. Uh, Patrick's Day on the way has to be watched. Easter is early again this year. And yes, John Kieran saying we just need the government to be straight. And I think his suggestion is very good of a briefing each Friday. A Friday briefing, Boris does it most days in England, but let's have once a week rather than leaving it for two or three weeks before we get it from uh, the head of the government. Good point. And thanks, Anna. Thanks to everybody for getting in touch with us. We're heading to news, sport and weather at three. And after three, we have big news on the wildlife front in the northeast. Really is a small world when it... uh comes down to radio. Pat Murphy, top of the show with us, the lovely Pat, talking about his memories of living on the border and miners smuggling the miners. Told some great stories.
stories. Well, Pat's brother was listening in Melbourne to Pat on the show today and he called in uh, to Karen to, to just say to me that Pat forgot to tell you, Jerry that his bike was actually confiscated by the customs. <laughs> Thank you so much indeed. And great to hear from you. I hope you're keeping well in Melbourne this afternoon. It's probably a different time of the day there, morning more like. Uh, frontline staff, Jerry helen has been on to say, don't forget the people, Jerry, in our supermarkets and service stations who are keeping the show on the road as well. I won't tell him. And thanks for reminding me indeed. Well done to the staff there who are keeping us all going uh, with the essentials of life. You're doing a great, great job. What about Liz Harley. Did you see the pictures? Oh, did you see the pictures of Liz? 55 years of age, some risque pictures. She posed for her 55th birthday. Guess who took the snaps? Her 80-year-old mother. Well done to her. Well, Piers Morgan isn't happy. He thinks it's a disgrace. Good on you, Piers. Whatever you think yourself, I think she's gorgeous. 55? Wow, Liz Harley, isn't she? Just looking amazing. Well done to her at 55. Something else I just want to mention today. On a sad but happy note in a way, May Caffrey, many people in the Kells area who've been through Kells in the years would remember her shop, Cannon Street in Kells, and famous for its ice cream cones. And they plan to remember today because May passed away and we remember today on the show. And uh, the McCones uh, at Park Ree in Kells and uh, of their Love Fresh in Bective Street were going to give out free ice cream cones today to everyone who called, but they can't because of the restrictions. They just had to put a a halt to it, but they will do it someday. And it's a lovely gesture. Well done to McKeown's for remembering her. And we remember May Caffrey today and her wonderful ice creams. And that gesture will happen when we can. And she was a great fan, I know, of uh, the green scene here on LMFM Radio. And I'm sure Eddie will be talking about her uh, come the weekend on the green scene. Now, my featured artist, I'm continuing the Neil Diamond story today and we're up into the late 70s. In 79, did you know that Diamond collapsed on stage in San Francisco and was rushed to hospital? He had a 12-hour operation to remove a tumour from his spine. And honestly, he says himself, he he didn't think he would live, that he would recover. But recovery did, and he returned in 1980 and making his debut in a movie. Do you remember it? The Jazz Singer was a remake of the Al Jolson classic. The movie was lukewarm. It was received, I have to say, by the critics and people who went to see it. But he got three top 10 singles from that movie, Love on the Rocks, Hello Again, and America. And He went on to enjoy some success in the 80s with the likes of Heart Like That Song, but it was the resurgence of his 60s and 70s greats that kept him to the fore in the 90s and beyond. He continued to tour extensively, to sell out audiences, and he was in Dublin, wasn't he, as well? Yeah, 80s, 90s and noughties, he was in Dublin. And he reprised many of the greats, including this one. Ah, Another lovely sing-along, isn't it, from Neil Diamond? Song Sung Blue from the album Moods. Another of Neil Diamond's classic greats for you on late lunch this afternoon. That was actually number one in the USA, Billboard 100, and it was his second number one on the charts there. So a very special song that one to Neil Diamond. Yes, a message coming in to me there, Jerry. I just love Neil Diamond. Thanks for picking him this week. I've seen him three times live in concert, says Siobhan. And uh, he's a great man, isn't he? He's uh, 80 years young. He celebrated his birthday, actually, on Sunday last. Yes, Neil Diamond, his story on late lunch, continuing tomorrow, concluding tomorrow with another 
brilliant Neil Diamond song to round off the week. Now, final break of this Thursday afternoon on Late Lunch. Thank you all again for getting in touch with the show. I love your company every afternoon. And we're going to finish today with a, a really good story. And the Northeast is going to be in focus nationally with this story because wildlife, there's a big news on the wildlife front and we're going to hear about it next. Number one car brand at the moment all over is what? It's Toyota. Our Louise is delighted. Do you remember a little Yaris he told us the story about and she was crying when she got rid of it? I hear rumours she's getting it back. Anyway, to- Toyota number one uh, top of the pops in car brands uh, just announced earlier on today. Now we have something to bring to you on late lunch this afternoon and it is a first for Ireland and certainly a first for the North East. And to tell us more, I'm delighted to say hello again to the chairperson of the Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland organisation, Heidi Bedell. Hello, Heidi. Hiya, Jerry. Thanks so much for having us back on. Yes, uh, things are happening very fast now in the <laughs> wildlife hospital area, um, partly because of the same thing that the Birdwatch Ireland was talking about on, on the uh, news last night. People have become very interested in wildlife. They've time. They're walking around. They're noticing more, and uh, they're reporting more. So, and they're looking after the wildlife when they come across sick or injured wildlife. And we we were set up uh, um, years ago to to try and provide some kind of structure for people to bring wildlife animals. Um, particularly this time of year, you've got an awful lot of orphans where their parents are, have been killed off, or something's happened, or they've abandoned them as well. So in birds and small small animals, and we care for them, and provided that they're fit and able to survive for themselves, and we produce, we then release them as soon as they're well again. And Great. what's happened and over the years is we've got lots of sorry um, host fam host groups around Ireland. Yeah, you you were going to come in with a question. No, 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 no. I wasn't. No, no, no. You're, you're right in what you say. I, I, no, I know this uh, that you have host families round the country, and then you would dole out, so to speak, uh, the injured creatures or birds or whatever. They'd rehabilitate them and let them go. But I know it's always been your dream, and uh, the wonderful Emma Higgs has had this dream as well, like yourself and many others for years, yeah. to have a headquarters, a central place where this can be done. And you have a property now, yes. This is it. We've been very kind. Uh, yes, the Taranary pub there in Garlow Cross uh, in Navan has uh, sorted out some accommodation for us. So we have some places for the volunteers to stay overnight and we have the stables that we're converting now. So we can take the pressure off all these host families that have been so busy um, with this increased demand all over Ireland. So we're we're hoping to have a kind of a soft launch on the 19th. That's when we're officially in situ, if you like. Ultimately, we will hope to open up to visitors as well so that people can come in and have a little look around um, Mm. and learn more. Because obviously a big part of our intentions is to educate everyone, vets as included, because a lot of vets don't deal too much with wildlife. So we run a lot of education courses for for different levels of people um, and the public as well, so that they can recognise the difference between an animal that is just sitting there minding its own business or an animal that's in distress and needs some kind of assistance. Yes. Yes. And the thing is, this is a first. I want to say this again. This will be the first. And it's been your ambition, I know, for years. And you're looking at different places and you got close to it. But this is now a reality. So Garlow Cross will be the first Animal Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital in Ireland. 
it will in Ireland. That's absolutely that great. And it will be the only I'm one delighted. probably for, for a little while. Our intention <laughs> is to build a big one, but that's going to take years. So this is going yes. to be for, for a little while. Now, we have nothing but the bare walls. So we're mm. putting out a call uh, um, for anyone who can help us out uh, with... We're looking particularly for paint. We're looking for port cabins, <laughs> nothing small. We're looking for um, roof materials. We're looking for tradesmen, particularly roofers. The the roofs on all of these um, all our buildings at the moment are metal and they're rusted, and we can't have baby animals getting damp because that'll kill them off. We're looking okay. for heaters or containers or carriers. Um, we're looking for so much stuff. And if anybody has anything like that that they would, wouldn't mind giving us a few hours of their time or they have materials that they could, could give to us, if they could email us on office at wri.ie. Okay, so that's office. Office, office w- at wri.ie. Dot I-E. Okay, so the, the priority I know for the immediate is you need paint. You're looking for paint. That's one thing you're really on the hunt for at the moment. The porta cabins, roofing, uh, labour, things like that. Great. If you can help in any way, folks, if you love your wildlife, if you have thought for the creatures of this planet, well, if you can do anything, get in touch with these people. But paint is the thing at the minute. And are you looking for any colour in particular or will you we go with anything? Worry. The animals don't care. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> right, okay. So paint is the thing. If anybody's listening yeah. today and can help out with a little donation and they'll give you pe- plenty of publicity and you'll be thanked and it'll go all across social media. I know they will if you can help out at all. So again, just to give that email address, it's office at WRI. WRI.ie, office at WRI.ie. This is exciting, isn't it? Oh, it's very exciting, Jerry. Really, it's. We, I can't wait to get out there myself, but I live too far away. I can't travel to it. So luckily, yeah. there's been a lot of local people from the area have come in and everybody's wearing masks. It's all very COVID uh, protected and stuff and it's outdoors. But only low, there's, there's been plenty and it's been really, really good, actually. Just cleaning the place out um, and getting it ready to fix, maybe fix a small, few small things. Obviously, the where they're going to be living as well, there's nothing in those. Um, so we're yeah. looking for bedding and, and bits for kitchens and... Um, if you get in touch everything with welcome and we were talking on the show yesterday about clearing out and people decluttering their lives if you're doing a bit of that and if you can anything uh, that you can donate yourself this is another avenue to give to a very worthwhile cause so look if you hope uh, the official uh, announcement launches the 19th uh, you're keeping within the 5k you have plenty of volunteers I know in that area who are helping out and they're ready to work this weekend so paint is the priority and all that other stuff if you can help at all it would be most welcome and look just to say before we finish up, wildlife is such a big part of human existence. They were here before us and looking after them and helping. It's so important. It goes without saying, Heidi. It's so important. We actually don't realise how dependent we are on wildlife. We, we've looked at bees and how we might starve to death if the bees disappear. We, don't act, we haven't looked at any of the other animals. We actually don't know what the interactions are or what the effects on the human race, just even from a purely selfish point of view. We don't know what we can live without because any time an animal is removed from the environment, lots of things change that you couldn't even predict change. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is important. And it, it's morally, we're morally responsible for the planet as well. You know, we're supposed to be the ones with the brains. And um, you'd think that we might uh, use those brains to take care of the place. We're very lucky to be living on a planet that feeds us and gives us water out of the sky and, and food out of the ground, coming up from the ground. You know, if you comp- compare it to any other planet that we've managed to have a look at, 
you can't even breathe the air, let alone there's nothing to eat or drink. Yes, so we're very we lucky are unique. All around us, you know, mm, and we need we to are unique. We, need to value we do, we do. Well, you're making a big step here with this announcement today on uh, late lunch on LMFM Radio. Thank you for joining me, and again, I say office at w or i dot ie. If you can help at all, get in touch with them. We'll be talking about this, I'm sure, down the road. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you, Jerry. That's brilliant. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Heidi Bedell there, who is chairperson of the Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland Group. They do wonderful work. If you can help at all, give them a shout. Jerry, speaking about memories, I was first introduced to Neil Diamond music on the old tapes on my way through Mont Blanc, Mont Blanc in Switzerland in a Scania 111 lorry with my dad 44 years ago. And I still love him. I ain't surprised. Lovely story to finish the show today. Looking ahead to tomorrow on Late Lunch. Yes, we will be joined by Anna Granville. She's from New Zealand. She's stuck in Ireland. We have the New Zealand end. They're doing very well there. And Anna's story for you tomorrow. We'll also be talking books on the show. Rick Cronje uh, brings you his wine recommendations. And the wonderful Bob McQuaid will be singing for you. Eddie's coming next with The Drive. We leave you in the company of Jerry Fish and others brilliant and you are on late lunch our true friends have a lovely evening the late lunch with blackstone motors drahada dundalk and cavan our service departments are open with all hsc and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe sales are click and deliver only through our website blackstonemotors.ie stay safe from blackstone motors it's that time of the year Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.